Hey, uh, just as we get into God's word this morning, there's uh, just a couple things I, I want to draw to your attention, kind of at this special time. Uh, a couple of things that um, we'd like to put on your radar as uh, new initiatives for us to kind of keep in touch and, and keep others in touch with us as well. So uh, if you take a look up here on the screen, um, we are going to begin a, a brand new video devotional series called uh, Where God Is When I Need Him. And uh, the idea behind this is really kind of twofold. One is uh, during this really different kind of time that we're in right now, uh, to be able to give us a chance to stay connected with one another as best we can, even though it's through technology, uh, but to stay connected. And then the second uh, reason for doing this is to be able to speak hope and help into the circumstances that we're in. And so uh, my, uh, my hope for this is that I'm going to be able to do uh, a couple of these video devotionals each week, and they're going to be only about five minutes long, and they're going to take us into God's word uh, to remind us and ground us in the promises that God has made for when life is hard. And so uh, we're going to get those out at the beginning of next week and, and start through that rotation, again, as a way of keeping us connected, but also keeping us into God's word as well. So you can be on the lookout for that. And then this second thing as well is uh, you may have seen these invitations on social media, and uh, we would love for you to take this uh, invitation online and be able to text it or email it uh, to some friends or family that you know who need to know Jesus Christ and uh, who need to be in church at a time like this. Maybe they're asking some really important questions in their life right now about what's going on and, and how it impacts them. And so we just want to make a very simple way for you to reach out to those people. Uh, just text it to them, email it to them, whatever. Put it on social media and, uh, and tag people and invite them uh, to join us at church online. And, uh, and to tune into our YouTube channel. And uh, hopefully they'll be able to benefit from the time that we spend in God's word as well. So if I can just put those two things before you for now and, um, and keep a lookout for those in the days ahead. When, uh, when the Washington Monument was built, uh, when it was being built in 1848, um, it was a project that almost ended in disaster. Uh, at the time, it was intended to be the tallest monument of its kind in the entire world. It would be about 600 feet tall, and the plan was for the monument to have a flat top. And, and on the top of that, they uh, had planned to put a statue of George Washington riding a horse. And, and the idea behind that was that this would be like a, an ultimate tribute to one of the nation's founding fathers. Uh, but the problem was that the base of the monument stood on 80 square feet, with 10,000 pounds per square inch of pressure on a foundation of clay and sand. And it wasn't much later that the monument began to lean ever so slightly in one direction, and then cracks began to show in it as well. And the builders could see all of this happening, but at the time, they didn't really know what to do in order to fix it. And so this monument that they had started just kind of sat there for about 20 years, and it was neglected for a very long time. And most everyone thought the project was actually doomed uh, to, to not be done. It was doomed to failure until an engineer came along and managed to solve the problem that nobody else could actually see. So he designed this simple pyramid that would sit at the top of the Washington Monument. And it's, it's the monument that we actually see in the National Mall in Washington even today. But for 20 years, when that monument was being built, um, it sat there unfinished, neglected, cracked, uh, leaning ever so slightly in one direction, all because it was built on a bad foundation. And so the moral of the story is simply this. A good foundation really matters. 
and it matters for our lives as well. If you try and build anything on a bad foundation, then you may get the job done, uh, but a little while down the road, you're going to be in a little bit of trouble because you're going to experience some of those things that begin to happen when you build on a bad foundation. A good foundation really matters, and, and it matters for our lives as well. There's only one foundation for us that truly works. You can try to use other foundations for your life, and those foundations might get the job done for a time. But there's going to come a point in your life where if you're building on the wrong foundation, you're going to be in some trouble a little while down the road. A good foundation really, really matters. And I think this is a really important message for the time that we find ourselves in right now. Like our world has been turned upside down so quickly. Um, everything has changed in a matter of days. And, and life as we knew it, as normal, kind of no longer exists. And so the question that we need to be asking ourselves right now is, how do we survive something like this? Like how do we get from one day to the next and even one week to the next with, with some kind of hope that, that we're going to make it and that we're going to survive. And, and the good news for us is that there is hope for that to happen. There is hope for us to get from one week to the next and not just survive, but, but really to thrive by the grace of God. And, and I think that's why a good foundation in our life really, really matters. And so I want to invite you right now, wherever you are, just to take your Bible and open with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and uh, we're going to look at verses 10 through 17 together today. And uh, you can follow along in your copy of God's Word as I begin reading 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10, down to verse 17. This is the Word of the Lord. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire." Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So here's our question for today. How do I build my life on the right foundation? How do I build my life on the right foundation? And I want us to see today from this passage in 1 Corinthians 3 that there are three essential building blocks to building our life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. So three essential building blocks. I want you to see these right from this passage here today. Uh, here's the first building block. Number one, you can jot this down. There's only one foundation, so build vertically. There's only one foundation, so build vertically. Now, uh, here's one of the biggest challenges that we face, and, and see if you don't face this challenge as well. One of the biggest challenges that we face is that we spend so much of our time trying to build horizontally, right? And it never works. And this is one of the greatest needs of the human heart, that it doesn't really matter who we are or where we're from or what our background is or whether we're a Christian or we're not a Christian. Like, one of the greatest needs of the human heart is that everyone is looking for a foundation to build their life upon, and, and if you don't build your life on the right foundation, then eventually your life is going to start to lean in one direction that it shouldn't, and you're going to start to see cracks in the foundation that shouldn't be there. 
So it's really important for us to understand this right off the top, that there's only one solid foundation, and there's only one way to build on that foundation. We build vertically. So what does that mean? Well, look at what the Bible says in verse 10. It says, according to the grace of God given to me, So notice here what Paul is saying. He's saying that everything that he's talking about happening within his life right now, it's all vertical. It depends on the grace of God. If the grace of God is not given to him, then these things can't happen in his life and they can't happen in the lives of the people around him. So he's building vertically from the beginning of this passage. And and he says here, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. So Paul here is picking up on the analogy from the previous verse in verse 9 where it says, for we are God's fellow workers, God's, you are God's field, God's building. And so he's moving from this agricultural analogy, you are the field, to this architectural analogy, you are the building. And now in verse 10, he carries on with this building analogy and he says here that, that, um, that he is a skilled master builder. That word skilled there uh, could be translated as wise, um, and master builder is where we get our English word architect. Only in this case, uh, the architect is not so much the person who draws up the plans. Instead, the architect is more like the one who's the on-site supervisor. And so Paul's basically saying to them, listen, I'm not the one who designed the plan for your life. I'm not the one who, who drew up the blueprint for your existence. Instead, I'm like the guy who's coming alongside of you and trying to help you understand how that design applies to your life. See, here's the point. God has a plan for your life. And, and I know that sounds a little Christian cliche. I mean, that's one of the four spiritual laws, isn't it? Like God has a plan for your life, a wonderful plan for your life. And, and, but it's true. Like God has a plan for your life and God has a plan for our church even when it feels like everything has been turned upside down right now, like when nothing is normal, nothing feels normal right now, which is why I believe what Paul says at the end of verse 10 is actually really, really important. He says, let each one take care how he builds upon it. Why? Well, because of what he says next in verse 11. He says, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So here's the question, friend. What foundation are you building your life on? Think about that. What foundation are you building your life on right now so that when a crisis comes or when unexpected loss happens in your life or when a pandemic hits? Like, we all know that four weeks ago, we never saw this coming. We didn't know that we'd be doing church like this today. Uh, But when something happens within your life that you did not expect, will the foundation that you're building upon right now, will that be able to support the weight of what you're going through? Like, notice what Paul's saying here. He's saying one foundation. That's it. There's only one foundation that's going to work for your life. And yet, isn't it true? We spend so much of our lives trying to build on horizontal foundations. Um, I tried to think through a list of, of alternate foundations that we build our lives on, these horizontal foundations. And so uh, we surveyed zero people, and the top five answers are up on the screen. So uh, these are ways that, that we try to build on the horizontal foundations of the things that are going on around us. So, for example, uh, we try to build on morality. And, and we just think to ourselves, if I can be a good person... If, if I can help other people, if I can give to these charities, if, if I can help my neighbor at a time like this, then, then I'll be good. 
and we build our life on that horizontal foundation. Uh, We build our life on the horizontal foundation of philosophy. And we think to ourselves, well, if I can just understand the purpose of my existence, if I can understand why the universe exists like it does, if I can have some kind of cogent explanation as to how all of this comes together in the way that it does, then I'll be good. And so we build our lives on that horizontal foundation of philosophy. We also build our life on the uh, foundation of personality. And we think to ourselves, well, if I can just have that kind of personality, if I can just be that kind of person that other people like so much, and, and then I'll be good. And so we build our life on that horizontal foundation of personality. We also build our life on the foundation of tradition. And, and we look back over the course of our life and we think to ourselves, well, it's the way my daddy did it, and it's the way my granddaddy did it, and it's the way that his granddaddy did it, and, and it seemed to work for all of them. And so if it works for them like that, then maybe it's going to work for me like that too, and we become very dependent on that. And so we build our life on that horizontal foundation of tradition. And then this one, we try to build our life on the foundation of approval. And I think this is one where all of us would resonate with this on some level. We build our life on the foundation of approval and we think to ourselves, if I can just get those people to like me, if I can just have my parents' approval when it comes to that particular area of my life, if if I can just get along with that group, then maybe I'll be fine, maybe I'll be accepted and, and then everything will be okay. And see, the problem with every single one of each of these foundations is that they're cracked foundations. And these are the things that that really end up causing our lives to lean in a wrong direction. Like when you try to build your life on any one of these horizontal foundations or any other horizontal foundation, that foundation will only take you as far as your ability to carry it. See, when life becomes too much and, and suddenly we feel like we're sinking and everything's not going the way that we thought it would go, listen, the only foundation that will last for this church and the only foundation that will last for your life is the foundation of Jesus Christ. Only Jesus Christ can carry the weight of your life. Only Jesus Christ can stand up under the pressure of your life. Listen, friend, we need to understand that you are not built to carry the weight of your life, but Jesus can, and he will if you turn to him, if you trust in him. See, there's only one foundation And and that's what it means for us to build vertically. Build your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Build your work on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Build your parenting. Build your friendships. Build your relationships. Build your education. Build your finances on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Build everything in your life on the single foundation of Jesus Christ. You know, I I feel a little bit like um, when our kids were younger, they would take these big plastic Lego blocks and, and they would lay them down on the floor and, and they would put one down and then they would put another one on top of it. And, and the beauty of that whole thing was that they could build something different every time. But, but we're kind of doing the same thing right now. We're putting one block down on the ground and now we're going to put another block right on top of it. So here's the second essential building block to building your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Number two, how we build matters. So build carefully. How we build matters, so build carefully. Notice what Paul says next in verse 12. He says, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Now, just pause there for a second. And and as we read into verse 13, um, notice how he talks about what's going to happen one day with all of that stuff that we build. 
So verse 13, he says, each one's work will become manifest. So that's an important word. For the day will disclose it. That's an important word. Because it will be revealed. That's another important word. It'll be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Now I wonder, do you see that? Do you see what he's saying here? Like everyone is building their life on something. Everyone is building something within their life. Like, I'm building something in my life. You are building something in your life. And there is coming a day when that work that we are building right now will be unveiled for what it truly is. And and so see what he says here. He says, it's going to be manifest. And it's going to be disclosed. It's going to be revealed. All three words kind of saying the same thing. But, But he's saying, you're going to see that all of this work through your life, you're going to see it for what it really is but you're also going to see it for why you really did it. And because of that, I think there's two really important questions that we need to be asking ourselves in light of that reality. The first question is, what are you building in your life? And then the second question is, what are you building with? Because the Bible's saying here that, that while there's only one foundation for us to build upon, that there are different kinds of materials that we can use to build upon that foundation. And he's saying here that there's coming a capital D day. You see that? And, and that day is the day of the Lord's return when all of the stuff that we do in this life is going to be perfectly judged for its usefulness to the kingdom of God before Jesus Christ. And, and so that judgment, that day, uh, that day, that judgment is not going to determine where we spend our eternity. We need to keep in mind that has already been settled at the cross of Jesus Christ. But the Bible teaches us here that there is coming a time when the way that we spend our lives and the way that we spend the resources that we have been given within our lives, and how we use those things for the sake of the kingdom of Jesus will be judged one final time by God. So verses 14 and 15, he says, anyone whose work survives because they built on the foundation of Christ, well, that person's work is going to be rewarded by God. But the person whose work gets burned up, like they'll be saved, no doubt about that but their work will not survive. And they'll be faced with the realization at that particular point that certain parts of their life had been wasted. And so friends, it begs the question of us again right now. What are you building? And what are you building with? See, how we build matters because what the Bible's saying here is that there's a fire that's coming. And and the picture behind that metaphor is of a house fire. Um, it's the idea that your life is, is like a house that you build with your own hands. And, but as you're building, you're kind of cutting certain corners. And as you're building, you're cutting those corners because you think maybe it's going to be easier if you can cut the corners. Uh, you think maybe it, it's not going to be as hard if you're able to cut those corners. It, it's not going to cost you as much. But the bottom line is that as you're building your house in that way, as you're building your life in that way, you understand that you're not building your life according to the building code of God's word. And, and then one day this fire happens. And, and as you see this fire engulfing the house that you built, you do everything that you can to get out of that fire as quickly as you can. And you get to safety for sure. You escape but everything that you have spent in all of that time, in all of that building on the wrong foundation, all of it is gone. And you don't get a chance to get it back. Do you see the picture here? 
Like, there is a way that you can choose to build your life. And everybody makes a choice about how we're going to build our life. We're, we're choosing even now how we're building our life. And, and you can build your life by cutting corners. You can build your life by doing things that are easier and won't cost you as much. But, but even as you're building your life that way, you know that on some level you're not building according to the building code of God's word. And then this capital D day is going to come and it's going to reveal everything for what it truly is and why you really did it. And if you're saved in Jesus Christ, then you will not be consumed by that fire. But everything that you built that was built in the wrong ways and for the wrong reasons will go up in flames and you'll never get it back. And you'll never have a chance to get it back. See, that's why the instruction here, I think, is for us to build with gold, silver, and precious stones. Because those are the costly materials. Those, those are the materials that will last. Those are the things that when you put them into the fire, all of the impurities get burned away and you end up coming out with a, a better product on the other side. But he also says that the work that will get burned up is the stuff that is built with wood, hay, and straw. And those are the materials that don't cost you very much. Those are the ones that when they go in the fire, they're the first things to burn up and, and be gone. And, and those things, when you build with wood, hay, and straw, that might get the job done for a moment, but it's not going to last. See, I, I just think about this in light of the cultural moment that we are in right now all across the world. I think what's going on with us right now and, and how significant this passage in God's word is for us right now because um, there is a problem that we face coronavirus is, is a big problem. It's a serious problem all across the world. But at the same time, I believe that it's still an opportunity for us as well. For us as followers of Jesus, this is a really important opportunity because this moment that we're in right now, just like every other moment that has led up to this moment in our life, this moment right now, this is a choice for us, even in this time, to build with gold, silver, and precious stones. And, and I think we can all appreciate on some level how um, how some of the work that we do within our life might feel to us sometimes like all we're doing is kind of like wood, hay, and straw work. And, and I don't know, if you're anything like me, you've had times in your life where it's like, man, is what I'm doing making a difference? Like, like is this really mattering to anybody? Is, is this going to make a difference not just for me but for the people around me for the long term? And, and, and if that's you, if that's what you're thinking, like can I just encourage you right now toward a different perspective and to think that when you spend all that time praying for your friend or your family member to come to know Jesus, like that is gold to God. When you risked opening your mouth to tell somebody else about Jesus, even though you, know that it, you knew that it would cost you a little bit, maybe it would cost you a lot, that is gold to God. And when you selflessly pour your life into your kids every day and every night and week after week and month after month and year after year because you want them to know the love of Jesus and the power of God within their life like you know it in yours, like when you do that, that is gold to God. And think about this. When you walk beside that neighbor, even this week, who's finding life extraordinarily difficult now because of the way that everything has changed, and, and you're walking alongside them, you're helping them, you're reaching out to them, you're praying for them, you're encouraging them. Like as you do that, and, and nobody else knows it, nobody else sees it. Can I just remind you, God knows and God sees. And that is gold 
to God. Like that's the gold and silver and precious stones that, that when it's revealed on the final day, that will stand the test of the fire because it's built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Now at the same time, let's not miss the warning that's here in this passage as well because it's telling us that, that all of the stuff that we do for ourselves, all of the stuff that we do to get other people to notice us, all of the stuff that we do to try and avoid the costliness of the Christian life, that's the wood, hay, and straw. Like that's the stuff that, that one day it's going to burn up and we'll never get it back. It's a little bit like what uh, Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew. He tells the story about two guys, they're neighbors, and they're both building a house. And, and Jesus says that one guy builds his house on the rock, uh, but the other guy builds his house on the sand. And one day, this really bad rainstorm comes along. The rain's falling, the, the storm is raging, the wind is blowing, and, and when that happens, um, everything stood strong for the guy who built his house on the rock, but everything collapsed and washed away for the guy who built his house on the sand. And Jesus says to the crowd who's gathered around him at that point, he says to them, the person who builds their life on the foundation of his word is like the guy who built his house on the rock. That when the storm comes, it's gonna be hard, but he's going to survive. He's going to get through it. He's going to make it. On the other hand, Jesus also says that, um, that the person who does not build their life on the foundation of his word is like the guy who built his house on the sand. The storm's going to come, and it's going to get hard, but everything's going to be washed away. Why? Because he built his house on the wrong foundation. He built his life on the wrong foundation. Again, friend, the question matters so much. What foundation are you building your life on? And what are you building with? Like We can't get around this. How we build matters. So build carefully. That leads us then to one last building block. Number three. You can jot this down. God owns the building, so build reverently. God owns the building, so build reverently. In other words, build with an understanding that, that you're building for the God who made you. Um, look again at the descriptions that he gives here in verse 16. He says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? He says, if anyone destroys God's temple, then God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. The emphasis here in these couple of verses is all on God. So when I read these couple of verses here, I'm like, man, I need to sit up and pay close attention to what the Bible is saying right here because I need to understand that all of this that's going on in this church and, and all of this that is going on in this church right now and, and just the different things that are happening even in this moment, like this is not about what I want to build. And it's not about what you want to build. It's not even about what we collectively want to build in this church. This is about what God wants to build. It's about what God's building in our midst. And so I read this, and, and this is very much like a sobering warning to us, especially when you consider the divisions that were happening in the Corinthian church and, and Paul's appeal to unity for them, like we've been looking at through the course of this series. And, and we think to ourselves, why were they so divided? Well, one of the biggest reasons for their division was because they actually thought it was about them. They thought the church was about them. There were some in the church, and not all of them, but some of them for sure, who were more concerned about building their own empire than they were about building God's kingdom. 
And so it begs the question of us, where's my heart in this? Where's your heart in this? Where is our heart collectively in this? Like, what are we looking for as we see ourselves as part of this church? Are we coming to these gatherings that we have on a regular basis with a, a consumer mentality that's just on the lookout for what we can get from this? Um, just a bit of a, a sermon time out here. Um, it's kind of interesting because I had that question in my notes like a last week before we had to cancel church last weekend as well and just thinking like a consumer mentality and, and isn't it kind of ironic that here we are now and, and you're sitting at home in your living room, maybe you're in your jammies and you got a cup of coffee in your Bible, you're taking notes and you can hit the pause button whenever you want and it's like, are we coming to church with this consumer mentality, right? It, it just kind of changes things with where we are right now but, but do you hear what I'm asking? Like, are we coming to church? Are we, are we being a part of what God is doing here with this consumer mentality that it's just about what I can get? Um, that, that it's just about, like, I'll get on board as long as they do what I want to do. Because that right there is a recipe for division. And, and I think we know that's not a tasty dish. Like, that's not something that we want to be a part of. In fact, Paul goes on here, and he even says here that God's spirit dwells in you. Like, that's what makes you God's temple. God's spirit dwells in you, and God's temple is holy. Like, what he's saying here is this is how seriously God takes his church. So the way that we're living, and the way that we're interacting, and even the way that we're building on the foundation of Jesus Christ should be different than anything that we see in the world around us. So on the one hand, I read this, and this is like a really sobering warning for me. It's a sobering warning, I believe, for us as a church as well. But then on the other hand, I read this very same passage and I think to myself, wow, what confidence we can have in an awesome God. Like, this is amazing. What confidence we can have to know that try as some people might to destroy God's temple, that they will never be able to overcome the God who owns the temple. That to me is absolutely amazing. Uh, think about what um, Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew. He said, um, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. When we planted this church more than five years ago now, that was a verse that we came back to a lot. We still come back to that verse frequently as well. Um, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Notice Jesus says here, I will build my church. So Jesus is the one who's doing this, and he's not just building any church. What church is he building? He's building his church. Like, like, you can go and try and build your own church if you want. You can make it about you. You can do your own thing, go your own way, all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to pass on that, thank you very much, because I want to be part of the church that Jesus is building. I want to be part of the church where Jesus is working, and he's saving people, and people's lives are being changed, and people are being freed from all sorts of sin and, and things that are going on. Like, I want to be part of that church where Jesus is at work, and he's building his church. But then Jesus goes on and he says something really curious after that. He says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So notice here, he doesn't say Satan won't prevail against it or the demons won't prevail against it or even the world won't prevail against it. He says the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Well, what does that mean? Well, think of it like this. Even now, there are evil supernatural forces that are working overtime. They always have been and they always will be, but even in light of what we're going through in the world right now, like, like they are working overtime to keep people trapped in a life that is destined for eternal punishment. 
to keep people trapped in, in the slavery and, and bondage and hopelessness and fear and doubt and worry and anxiety and, and all, all sorts of different things. And it's like the gates of hell will never let those people out. It, it's going to keep them trapped inside for as long as they possibly can. And yet the truth here is that one by one, it's like Jesus is reaching through the bars of that gate and he's rescuing people and giving them life. Like, that's an amazing picture. Like, soul by soul, Jesus is reclaiming those who are his. And not only that, but there's still coming a day when at the end of time, Jesus will, will take Satan and every last one of his demons and throw them into the lake of fire forever, never to be heard from again. Like, Jesus is doing this. He's building his church. And so I want you to think of that and then think of what Paul says here in this passage. If anyone destroys God's temple... God will destroy him. That's pretty sobering. That is how seriously God takes his church. But he's still saying something even more than that. Like It's not just about what you are building on your own or what I'm building on my own. Even if everything that we're building is being built on the right foundation of Jesus Christ. He's saying here that collectively, as the church, we are God's building. We are his temple, and he's concerned here that we understand that God's temple is holy. So uh, if you go back to the passage that we looked at a couple of weeks ago in 1 Corinthians 3, it says like the jealousy and the strife uh, that we saw in that passage, it's not supposed to be there. It's not supposed to be in the church. The personal preferences that have become more important to people than the collective well-being of the body, it's not supposed to be there. not supposed to be in the church. And the division that's ruining their testimony to a world that's watching them and looking to see how Jesus has changed their life, it's not supposed to be there. It's not supposed to be in the church because those things do not reflect the purity that God has designed the building to hold. See, when it comes to the church, God says, my spirit lives there. My name lives there. My power lives there. My reputation lives there. My reputation, God says, is on the line there in you who are the church. So live like you know that you are God's holy temple. So how do we live in a time like this, like we know, like we're convinced that we are God's holy temple? Well, we live in faith and not in fear. We live in faith that, that we belong to a God who is sovereign over everything that's going on in the world right now. We don't live in fear because we belong to him. We live in wonder and not in worry. We live in wonder at who God is and that God is in control of everything um, even though we can't see how he's bringing all of these things together. So friends, understand, uh, Paul's point here has been clear all the way from beginning to end. A good foundation matters. A good foundation really matters for your life. And there's only one foundation, so build vertically. And how we build matters, so build carefully. And God owns the building, so build reverently. C.T. Studd was a missionary to Africa, India, and China who gave up everything that he had to build his life on the foundation of Jesus Christ, sold all of his earthly possessions, went to the mission field, and was used by God in tremendous ways he said this, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. 
It was true for him all those years ago. It's true for you and me still today as well. So as the Bible says here in this passage, let us all take care then in how we build. Let's pray. Father, um, I just want to thank you for your word. Thank you for um, the truth of your word that speaks to us even in troubled times. And, and Lord, um, it just seems like, like this particular topic of where you have us in your word right now today, that, that this just matters so much to where we are right now, that it matters that we build our life on the right foundation of Jesus Christ, uh, that if we build on any other foundation, Lord, that, that in this time of crisis, in this time of, of tragedy and suffering, um, like many of us have never seen before, um, Lord, if we build on any other foundation right now, um, that foundation is not going to be able to support the weight of what we're going through. And so we thank you for the grace that is given to us to build our life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that um, you would help us, that you would cause uh, your people, even at this time, to, to really reflect in our hearts as to what um, we need to do in order to make sure we're building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Lord, would you forgive us for all of the horizontal foundations that we try to embrace? And we all do, Lord. I pray, um, I pray that you would give us the gift of, of repentance to turn away from those things, to trust in you, to turn to you, uh, to believe, Lord, that you are the only foundation that's worthy of building our lives upon. So give us your grace in these days ahead, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.